Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who is really thankful for all this snow we're getting because he's been waiting for a legitimate reason to wear his fur bikini. <laughs> it's Dale. Hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, it is uh, time for that stuff. Uh, I've been uh, been wanting to break those suckers out for a while, and uh, now we've got a couple snows, and I'm ready to rock. All right. <laughs> Dale, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you we've got a awesome case this week. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and get into it. We are covering the disappearance of Kathy Marie Moulton. Now, she went missing, Dale, on September the 24th, 1971, in Portland, Maine. Today, we have a special guest with us on the podcast. His name is Kevin Cady. He is a retired deputy police chief from Portland, Maine. He also has a lot of acronyms. Past his name. He's done it all. He has done a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm just going to run down some things that he is, some of his credentials. He is a, he is on the Joint Terrorist Task Force, Internal Affairs Investigator for the President of the United States and Vice President, Site Commander. He is, uh, and Shift Command. He is also employed as a United States Customs Inspector and Special Deputy U.S. Marshal. And at the end of this, podcast kevin is going to give us a rundown he wrote a book and basically he wrote the book on this case Dale. Did, yeah because there's not much out there except for what he's done and he's really busted his ass on this, this yeah case. he wrote a book about this girl this missing kathy moulton and he will give a plug at the end of it and we'll give all the information so in right. case anybody wants to yeah he was on this police force working for over 25 years so he's really done done a lot outside of that on this case and we're really fortunate to have him on this show today i've I'm, I have, I can't thank him enough. I know. It's All right. Awesome. Yeah, Kevin, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. My partner's here with me, Dale. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Can you hear us okay? Yes. Okay, cool. This is Dale. Just nice to meet you. All right, um, Kevin, I know yep. before we get started, tell us a little bit about you and some of your background. I know you've got, um, you've got a lot of acronyms after <laughs> your name, so um, tell us a little bit about you before we get started. Um, what, 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 which acronyms? Uh, I know you're the retired police chief, deputy police chief there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was with Portland police for, uh, 20 years. Uh, I was a detective sergeant. So after 20 years, I, I went to, uh, over to the town next to Portland, Maine. Um, and that's Falmouth. And I was the harbor master. Um, Law enforcement harbor master, and then then I went. Uh, I was there for a couple of years, and I went down to uh, south to Elliott, where I was the deputy police chief. So in total, I did 25 years of law enforcement. I'm retired to pension, and that that was going on 10 years ago this summer. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, since then, I've well, I have a, I actually have a hockey background as well. Um, prior to becoming a police officer, I was the equipment manager for the Philadelphia Flyers. Very cool. No. Yeah, no. I, yeah, no, that was uh, actually I was with uh, with the organization for nine seasons total. I started when I was fourteen in Portland with the the AHL farm team, and then when when I retired in twenty uh, two thousand nine ten, I was the uh, equipment manager in um, Portland with the uh, Portland Pirates, and they were with the they were the Buffalo Sabers Triple uh, A team. So I worked for the Buffalo Sabers for three seasons there, and then. Uh, since then, I've been doing uh, uh, private investigations and contract, uh, you know, background investigations with OPM, the federal government, and uh, so that's where we're at. That's that's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> when um, let's start with uh, in 1971, September of 1971. 
the day Kathy went missing. Yeah. Let's um, let's talk about that for just a little while. Okay. Um, she was supposed to go to a dance that night. Is that correct? A yeah. Y a YWCA. Yeah, September twenty fourth, seventy one. It was the YWCA in downtown Portland. Uh huh. From what I've read and everything I've heard, she was supposed to meet some friends there that night. Is that correct too? And yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, her dad took her to downtown Portland, and I think she was supposed to buy her some pantyhose and some toothpaste. Her mother gave her some yep. money for. Is that correct? That's true. Yes. Um, and I think her mother, her mother gave her some money to take the bus back home. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's correct. Um, and her, so her house was probably um, oh a mile away. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, yeah. Yep. And she had told her friend there when she stopped in the music store after she had bought her pantyhose and her toothpaste, that she had spent her money that her mama gave her for the bus ride. And she was going to walk home. Yeah, and that was Carol Starbird at Starbird Music. Yeah. In, uh, in uh, Forest Avenue in Portland. And we actually looked, and Starbird, Starbird Music is still there, by the way. It's in a different location, though. Oh, is it? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, this one this one was in, in, in on Forest Avenue near Congress Street, which runs down the spine of uh, the peninsula of Portland, downtown. Mm -hmm. They later moved out to, towards uh, Kathy's house, uh, maybe maybe three-quarters of a mile away uh -huh. from, where, from the original place. Okay, cool. I just, I've always wondered... To Kevin, what did she spend that money on that she was supposed to have the bus ride with? Does anybody has anybody ever asked that? I, I didn't know. Well, I don't think anybody knows specifically. Mm -hmm. well, it probably wouldn't uh, have been much, would it? I don't. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have been much. But it's just I've always wondered. You know, if if she'd have spent on something, would she have had something else in her pocketbook or her little? Yeah. You know. Something else on on her to identify her by. That's what I've always wondered. Yeah, uh, so I I know that she was smoking cigarettes. Um, unbeknownst to her parents, she died again. Um, and, and that's that's just a, a speculation. Maybe it was cigarettes, but oh. I don't I don't know that. Okay, yeah, I'd heard that she had taken up smoking too, and I heard you know that Kathy was kind of kind of on the rebellious side in a way. I don't know from, you know, a lot more kids back then at that early age smoked than they do now, I think. And, that, you know, I don't, did her parents know that she smoked? No. They didn't. Okay. They didn't know then, no. No, well, they, they knew afterwards, I guess. Um, when she told Carol there at the music store that she was going to see her that night at the dance. Yep. Did... Has anybody, has Carol been interviewed a lot about this, you know, as far as all the details she knew about Kathy? And did she seem out of sorts in any way or? No, no, she didn't. Yeah, we interviewed Carol Starbert and um, she, uh, you know, she, she just recalled back to, to, to that time and seeing uh, just briefly. Kathy, she's the last. She's the last sighting in Portland. Is Carol Sarver? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, but wasn't out of sorts at all. Was happy, uh, you know, gonna head home, have dinner, and then go back into downtown for the, for the that dance. Yeah. Now, when she left the music store, she was headed home, and her house was yep. a little little over a mile away. Um, yeah. And there was a sighting of Kathy getting into a Cadillac. Was that sighting ever confirmed? Or was it actually a sighting of her getting into a Cadillac or into a car? I, 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 I've I read recall. I've read both. Can you can you confirm which it was? Was uh, it I don't I don't think I don't think it was a Cadillac per se. There was there was there was supposedly a, a sighting of her getting into a vehicle uh not, you know, still, still towards downtown in 
the uh, that, that Forest Avenue area of, mm-hmm. of Portland. I don't think it was a. I don't think we had that information about a Cadillac. The Cadillac came up later on in during the investigation. Okay. Our investigation. All right. That, that's probably what I. The two different reports because some some articles I've read said it said it was a Cadillac, and others said it was just a car. And that's just a. Yeah. I guess that's just misreporting there. Now. A lot of people claim that this was a, a man named Lester Everett. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about him and what you know as far as yeah. a little bit about Lester's background? So so Lester was, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to maybe 22 or 23 years old at the time. Um, and Kathy, a, Kathy was 16 at the time. 16, yeah. Um, and her parents didn't know, uh, but the Kathy was in, in a sort of a, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So there, was, there were a couple of things going on with her that the parents didn't know. And that was that was one of them, and the, the smoking was the other. Uh, so Lester Everett was uh, was kind of a, you know, a, a guy that, you know, got in trouble a bit with the police and uh, was a, kind of a rough guy and... Uh, you know, she, she, Kathy had a, her home life was, was fairly disciplined. The dad was a disciplinarian mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it's almost, it's almost like she was starting to act out a little bit. Um, you know, at, at 16, she was doing kind of doing things that her, her parents would not approve of. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, so it's like, uh, Lester's, Lester's brother, uh, Mark, uh, later on, uh, a few years later, um, the police were trying to, uh, I think the police were trying to arrest him, uh, actually not far from Kathy's house, and uh, went out went out in the middle of the street and shot himself and killed himself. Wow. Mm. You know, that's the type of, kind of the type of family that, that you know, they, they were. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that kind of paints the picture a little bit of, of Lester Everett. So I guess Kathy acting out a little bit and saw him as, I don't know, a rebel type guy that somebody that, yep. yeah, I probably thought that was cool hanging out with him. An older, yep. older guy with a yeah. car. Yeah. Cigarettes. That's probably where all that started. Exactly. Um, she had got, supposedly got in the car with Lester. No, Lester picked her up and then they, they stopped and picked up a hitchhiker and that turned out to be Reed Perley. Yeah. Lester didn't know him. It was Reed Perley, so it wasn't picking up a friend. Oh, okay. Reed Perley was not a friend. He didn't know him prior. So he didn't know him prior, but he he was Reed Perley was just a hitchhiker that needed needed a ride. Yeah, because Reed Perley back then was a sort of a you know a vagabond. He was out. He, he, he hitchhiked down to uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and hang out with uh, you know with the. Native American group down down in Cambridge, Somerville, that area, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, he also traveled all over the United States and, and all over Canada. You know, it's at, at different points, but he did spend a lot of time in in Cambridge. Okay. Now he told Kathy he was going to take him to wherever he needed to go, and and Kathy was just yeah. pretty no. much Kathy was pretty much along for the ride at that moment. Um, right. Um, so he said he need, he was headed to, you know, up to the Tobik Reservation in New Brunswick, which is like four and a half, five hours away. Uh-huh. Wow. And and they and they just got in, the, and Lester said, well, well let's go. We'll bring him, we're going to bring him there. And and off they, off they went. And I mean, we don't know, we don't know at this point whether, uh, you know, she wanted to be brought, dropped off at home. We don't know if she said, you know, let me out. We don't. She just was there. Yeah. So I guess at this point, there was a sighting of Kathy at a gas station with two men or two boys, I should say. And yeah, but but back up because there was a, there was a sighting. Her her neighbor uh, spotted Kathy, Reed Perley, and Lester Everett. In, uh, in at a mall in Bangor. Okay. The next day, that was the next day. Oh wow! And she's sure I can't remember the name um, offhand of that that uh, that neighbor, but she, she lives a 
three doors up from Kathy. Mm-hmm. So she had she had traveled a good ways from from the house from Portland, and and went to to Bangor. Now, yes, she was up there in Bangor and happened to see her, and did, and, and that in turn got uh, got the parents. They found out about that later, you know, day, a few days later, and that's why that's why uh, Kathy's parents went went went, uh, went north. They, you know, they had there's, there's other reasons, but they had that that she she was at least in Bangor at one point. And then they later learned, uh, possibly way up in, into Aroostook County, northern Maine. Okay. Did uh, the neighbor that saw Kathy with Lester and Reed, did she say that she seemed distressed or out of sorts no. in any way? Like like, no. she, like she wanted to be there? Yeah, she, she just saw her and, um, and didn't, didn't see anything out of the ordinary other than she thought it was odd that she was up in Bangor with these two, these two guys. Yeah, that 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 right there just blows my mind because yeah. I mean she mm-hmm. she had every intention of going to that dance that night, and yep. and to to do a one eighty to get into a car and go the other way. Yeah, I don't you know I don't I don't know if if Lester that you know told her that he was going to take her home afterwards. Do you? Have any indication of that? Oh, we don't. We don't know that. Yeah. No, we have no way of knowing that. Uh, uh, Reed Burley. Reed Burley is the only one in the car, and he and and he wasn't real forthcoming with us, except to say that he was in that car. And Lester brought him up that back in seventy one. Okay. Now, the next sighting of Kathy was. It was in uh, uh, Fort Fairfield, Maine, at uh, at a gas station. And it was Don Logan who was working there at the time. I think he was a mechanic. Uh-huh. And Don, uh, we taught, we interviewed Don Logan. He's a helicopter pilot or was a helicopter pilot during the, the, the mid-90s in Connecticut. But he's he's crystal clear that uh, it was Kathy and um, we believe to be Reed Purley. It makes sense. Uh, and, and Reed Purley had her very close and uh, one, like one hand on, on her neck and was like, Escorting her to the bathroom in the back of the car, like, like, like his 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 description is, so she couldn't take off, or you know, he thought he thought it was that strange back then that uh, mm-hmm. that happened. And he later I uh, identified um, Kathy for the sheriff's department. Ed Green was a detective. We have interviewed him. Ed Green um, said that uh, he showed. Kathy's picture to uh, Don Logan, and he said that, that that was her. So, okay, pretty confirmed sighting in, the, in, the, in that Cadillac. That's the other. That's the other part. The big thing about the Cadillac, it was a 1963 Cadillac, and everybody we, that we talked to that had some some uh, input into this uh, up that way remembered that Cadillac because it was so distinctive. And that was stolen, by the way. So mm-hmm. It was stolen from the Davis Motel in uh, in Falmouth, where Lester Lester was. Doing odd jobs for, for the motel in So that's all Lester ever did was just odd jobs around. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Sort of a handyman, uh, uh, whatever, whatever he could find, I guess. Yep. So, yeah. so when uh, I got a question, so when they went to the bathroom there, <clears throat> do you think it was like they was just going there to make sure she didn't go anywhere, or so they were just going to make sure nobody bothered her, or like an escort, or was it more like uh, he was just keeping his eye on her like he thought him she might run away they, well they, they actually went there and bought bought tires for the for the vehicle and they used the they used the credit card from the davis motel that was in the vehicle to buy the tires which is how the sheriff's department back in 71 went there because you know the next month uh the, the davis motel received the, the you know their credit card bill and it was it said Tires did for Fairfield at this this uh, uh, gas station, mm-hmm. and so that's what got that that going. So that's why they were there. So they they were there for a little bit, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's that's a connection to, to that uh, gas station. <clears throat> was the credit card used in any other places? I don't think so. Okay, that was the only one that we that we uh, that we that we uh, determined. The pro our our big problem is Portland police did not do any investigation 
back in 1971. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a part, there was, there was, a, there was in some aspect, if you recall in the book, that, uh, you know, that her, her, her dad went in and raised a, raised a, a ruckus with the, the, the police chief and got, uh, got the police chief to, to talk to the state police because, you know, back then, you know, the state police wouldn't talk to Portland police. They wouldn't talk to anybody else. They thought that they, you know, they were the only law enforcement agency in the state and didn't and didn't send out um, like when they put out a, uh, this all points bulletin uh, for Kathy. It only went to the state troopers. It never went to any other department. Mm-hmm. They so, almost they almost so thought she was a runaway, didn't they? Yeah, they, they they said, "Oh, she'll be she'll be back. Just you know, sit tight. She'll she'll be home." And mm-hmm. they. And they, they and they never really did any follow up uh, investigation. So, mm-hmm. going back now, I mean, there's the Davis Motel is long gone, and, and she's and the, and the, the, the owners are, are passed away. So it's not like we could go and just talk to them and say, hey, you know, what else was taken on the from, from the credit card? So exactly, uh, all we know is tires. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just didn't know if it was used around town anywhere else. That, That's a good know, question. Yeah, after they after that siding there at the gas station to get the tires and everything. Where was Kathy spotted again? Where was her next sighting? Uh, at, at the, uh, on a potato farm in uh, Mars Hill. Okay. Now, this potato farm, was it Indians worked on this farm? Yeah, yeah so it was, uh, they were, uh, they were they're Native Americans from uh, the Canada side, so they came from Big uh, Pope, New Brunswick, and they, they came from Nova Scotia as well. So that's where they were. Um, you know, they go there every every uh, every fall, and they pick potatoes, and then go back home. Yeah. Now, everything I've read too, and I even in your book I've read that uh, Kathy had talked to a lot of the natives there while she was her while she was working there, and Lester had took her there to make some quick money. I guess is that right? So what's the question? Uh, Lester had, had taken Kathy there because he thought he could oh, make yeah. make some quick money there, work on this yeah. work on this potato farm and get some money. Yeah. So the potato farm, uh, that's that's where we had uh, we ended up talking with Millie Augustine, right? So Millie Augustine uh-huh. is uh, was there with her sister Donna mm-hmm. Augustine and her dad, and they were they were on the. Uh, on the um, farm, and they were working. And she's she's now an attorney. Millie is, uh-huh. and, uh, and she's she's crystal clear that it was Kathy. It was Lester Everett. She knew them by name, um, uh, and she says that the uh, yeah the uh, the dad would would bring Kathy food because she wouldn't. She was afraid of the, the Native Americans, the Indians, mm-hmm. and would uh, would would sit in the car the whole time and comb her hair and um, what we do know at that point is she was trying to she wanted to go home and she was telling yeah, she was telling the uh, uh, you know she was telling the, the dad and, and Billy Augustine and Donna Augustine that she wanted she wanted to go home and she actually thought her parents were looking for her too she assumed that they were yeah and, yeah and, and, and the parents when they were on that farm um, the parents were actually at that uh, particular time were like 10, 15 miles away in, in uh, Holton looking for her. That is so crazy. They were really close. That is crazy. That going on. Yeah. Now, uh, oh. Kathy was sleeping in that car too, right? Yes. So she she left a lot of, I guess, forensic stuff in that car. He's uh, Lester? Yeah, the car that that Lester had, she was sleeping in that car too, correct? Yeah, yeah. So she would leave a lot of forensic stuff, hair, yeah. whatever. I mean, she was she was in that car quite a bit. Yep. Um, whatever happened to that car? Um. Well, that's part that's part of the story. So the the, the car. I'll I'll jump ahead. The car the car ended up in uh, uh, Georgia. On uh, on blocks and uh, was was ultimately years. We were there for years and years at uh, Lester Everett's house in uh, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and, uh, and I, I, evidently it was it was crushed for scrap. You know, ten years later, fifteen wow. years later. Yeah, I guess uh, I've read too that Lester got tired of Kathy nagging all the time and complaining about wanting to go home about her situation, right. and yep. he was he at that point I guess he was wanting to get rid of her. Yeah, well, yeah. So he, you know, and get get rid of get rid of. That. I mean, it, you know, we we thought, yeah. So what he, what he did is one. So one day, uh, one 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 evening after work, and, and Lester was was described as uh, as lazy and not uh, pulling his weight on the on the farm, and uh, always trying to get out of get out of his work. But um, so he wasn't very well liked by the by the other uh, the other workers and the Indians. But um, one one uh, one afternoon or early evening, he left. Came back the next morning. Kathy wasn't there. Donna uh, or Millie Augustine asked him, "Where is she?" And he said, "Oh, I dropped her off at, a, at another camp." Yeah. Uh, and in, in the camp that we're, you know, we, we've confirmed that she ended up back over at the Tobit Point Reservation and uh, with Reed, at Burley House. So he actually took her into Canada, right? Is that correct? Through a, through a back road yeah. into Canada. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I mean, the border is completely different today than it was then, as far as you know. The, it was very easy to take back roads and not not, not go through customs, but he would go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I guess at this point, instead of Lester taking Kathy back to Portland and suffering the consequences of maybe a possible kidnapping and other charges, he just he just dumped her. He just got rid of her. Yeah, yeah. So Lester's, like. so Lester's pretty. He's yeah. a piece of work. Now, what about after she got over to Reed Pearly's place in Canada? Where where was Kathy's trail after that? Well, what's 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 interesting because the, the, the farm story is not quite over. That aspect. So Lester Everett, like within within. The, a few days of dropping Kathy off wherever wherever it was, and we don't know it was Toby Point uh, Reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells Billy Augustine, Donna Augustine, and uh, Emmett Bernard. Emmett, no, Emmett uh, Peters. Emmett Peters, who's who's a, who's a Native American from Nova Scotia. I think he's from Truro, Nova Scotia. He says that he has jobs lined up in Florida. Picking oranges or something like that. I, I, I don't know what it was, but Donna and Millie tell us that. So they they say, okay, well, they have their money from picking potatoes. Those two are sixteen. I think uh, Emmett Peters is a little bit older, and they all pile into the Cadillac and they beeline it down to uh, down to Florida. And they get to Florida. They cross they cross into Jacksonville and they pull into uh, pull onto the beach in uh, in it's Fernandina Beach. That's the town, and he says, "Hey, we're here," and and it turns out that he doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't have anything lined up, and you know, and so they were a little upset with him that they had no, no jobs lined up in Florida, as he had said. Um, but they ended up working. Uh, they probably did find work, and we talked to, uh, we interviewed, uh, you know, a, a couple down there that uh, had taken in uh, Lester and 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 Donna, Millie, and uh, Emma Peters. And it was like I don't know a month or so later, the the, the Indians, the Peters, the, and the Augustines get on a bus and go home. Okay, and, and that's, Le- a lot, that's a lot. But and Lester ends up staying in Florida, correct? Yeah, he stays in Florida for for like two or three years, and 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 then finally comes home. But he's changed. But the, but the thing the thing that's interesting is Donna. And Millie Augustine and Emma Peters know him only as David, not Lester. He changed his name. Yeah, I guess at that point in time, you could just call yourself something different, and and it sort of throw the authorities off the trail. I, I guess I, we we don't really know why, uh, but he's in a stolen car and and all that stuff. So you know, maybe it could have been as innocuous as that. That he's in a well, he's in a stolen Cadillac and. You know, so but he's telling them his name's David. They know him as David, wow. not Lester. Wow. 
Does uh, Lester ever come back to, to Portland at any point, or does he stay in Florida? Yeah, it was two, like two years later, he comes back into town and visits, but goes back down there. He marries uh, Darlene, Darlene Dixon um, and, and ends up, uh, you know, obviously taking the name Everett. Uh, and we interviewed her. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the deputy U.S. marshals went to, went to her house in uh, Georgia because she ended up in, in Georgia. And that's, that, of course, that's when we, we, we found out that Lester had died 10 years prior to 95, 96, 97, whenever that interview was with mm-hmm. cancer. So there was no way we were going to talk to him. But that's when she said, oh, yeah, that Cadillac was, was, was you know, on blocks in the yard for 10 years. 10 years. And, but now it's gone. Wow. Wow. That could have been so much evidence in that car sitting there, yeah. sitting there on blocks yeah. for all that time. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and we, I, I had uh, Lester's son, his, his, uh, he was interviewed um, because he was in, he's in a Florida state penitentiary for, for murder. But we did have uh, have him interviewed, and he had absolutely no information. He was, and the, and the, the investigator inside the prison said, "Hey, he was." He said, "If I, if, if I had, if I, could, if I had information," he says, "I'd give it to you." He wasn't hiding it. Uh, he feels pretty. The, the investigator feels fairly certain that uh, that uh, Lester's son was was being truthful and saying, "Yeah, uh, you know, I remember the Cadillac being there," but he said, "I don't know anything about." Kathy, Kathy Moulton. That he, he probably never, never told. told yeah, yeah, he, he probably never he, knew anything no, about no. that. All right. That was the side of his dad. He just didn't know anything about. Yeah, he didn't know anything about it. That's crazy. Now, yeah. back to her. Back to Kathy. Uh, yeah, so that's the, that's the Lester story. Right. Now, any were there any confirmed sightings of her in Canada? Anybody that, yes. that y'all you guys talked to? Yeah, I, the, the, the first time we went up to the reservation, uh, it was two deputy U.S. marshals and uh, two of us from Portland Police, Tom Joyce and myself. Tom was uh, investigated this with me. And um, uh, so the RCMP uh, sergeant, uh, Norm Maserol, you know, we had already kind of prepped him before we went up, and he said, yeah, I'll do whatever I can to help you out. And, and he said, listen, I'm going to go uh, bring in Tony Bear Solace on the reservation. So the the uh, one of the one of the there was so there was a native police there, constables unarmed, and then the RCMP was also assigned to, the, to that reservation. And uh, they they went out and brought uh, Tony Bear Solace in to talk to us. And that's and we showed her we showed Tony the pictures of Lester and Kathy, and he said, "Hey, that's Reed Perley's." A girlfriend from back then, and that's Lester Everett. He knew he knew who he was. Wow! Wow! So that's kind of the eureka moment hits, and and uh, so when after you know Tony told us, you know she'd been around for several months, staying at the uh, Furley household, and uh, when he left, uh, when Tony left, um, you know, Norm Maserol said to us, "Well, we've got a big problem here." He said because because Reed Furley is currently uh, out on bond or bail for home invasion rape of, uh, of, of his neighbor. Um, and he said, he's just a bad guy, real, real bad guy. And, you know, we started, you know, this, of course, that piqued our interest that now we've, we've, we're on the right trail. And uh, it, what we what we wish we had we had done is gone out about week early and, you know, and, and interviewed him on the spot. But Norm Maserol, uh, what he said was, look, he's got to check in to the RCMP, I don't know, once a week or whatever the time was, while he was on bail for this, this crime. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to him and ask him when he comes in. So, unfortunately, we weren't there when that took place. So, uh, Norm tells us when uh, Reed comes in, um, he's shown the picture of, of uh, Lester, and he said, hey, he says, hey, that's Lester Everett. And he says, I know him, and tells a story about, yeah, he, he brought me, he, he's been here, he brought me up, you know, years ago, 1971, whenever, um, to uh, to the reservation and stayed a little bit at, at, at his house and, uh, and, and, and left. And when 
Norm Maserol shows a picture of Kathy, he says, oh, I, I, I don't know her. Never, never seen her before. I don't know. There's no girl. No, no, no. So we, so we know we have, we have a lie. Right. Exactly. He's lying about it. Mm-hmm. So, so we end up, we do go back, uh, and, and we interviewed Reed Furley and, uh, you know, Dave, so Dave Drake was a, one of the deputy U.S. marshals, and I mean, this, Dave Drake was was uh, you know on the marshal service special operations team, like the SWAT team, and uh, and he he brought you know um, he went down to Columbia, brought drug traffickers back to the United States to be you know be, to be tried, and you know he's he's dealt with some really bad people, and he was in there for Reed Perley's interview, and and he says he's probably one of the one of the one of the worst people um, that uh, he says, I just got a sense he was a real bad guy. Um, uh, but he tried to, you know, he, he tried to get him, you know, what you do with her? Uh, what, uh, how'd you kill her? And, and he was, he, he wouldn't budge. So he would never admit that uh, Kathy was, was, was there. But no. Hmm. And what, when, when did that take place? What year was that? Uh, I'm coming to guess, but 97 sounds about right. Would, was uh, Reed ever asked to take a polygraph or anything? Uh, no, uh, I, I don't believe the RCMP offered a polygraph, um, and he ultimately went to went to prison on that on that charge. Uh, and I think he did like seven or eight years mm-hmm. on that charge. Um, oh man! It, 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 it is possible he was he was offered. He he would have no part of it. So yeah, he he actually said he didn't even recognize Kathy at all. Right, um, and then and then his sister, Reed's sister, Jacqueline Furley. It's, it's like Jacqueline, but she's pronounced Jacqueline. Um, she told she told me that Kathy was there at her house. <laughs> so everyone saw her, but him, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. And so when Reed, um, he got out of prison, was anything ever done after that as far as Kathy's case on him? When after he served the, the you said seven to eight years? Yeah, it's seven, seven or eight years, yeah. Was anything ever done uh, with him about Kathy's case again? Was it ever brought up to him? No. Hmm. No. That's crazy. So that's pretty much the end of her trail. Is that yeah? Is that the end of her trail? Well, no, um, because you, you, we fast forward uh, to you know fairly recently in the last two or three years. So, so I was up there two or three years ago, and I met with um, with one of the uh, you know they, they, the elders. So it's a female elder. Her name is you know we're not going we, we've never divulged her name. Okay. Um, but but. Um, she tells me that she saw Kathy um, being being dragged down the street one one night late at night by Reed Perley, uh, and she was crying. And uh, he, and her and her, her friend who lived next door across the street saw saw the same thing. And and we think that that's when when Reed ended up killing her, but we don't know that. I mean, we we just don't. That's just speculation. Yeah, that's all speculation. Uh, and, and, and maybe he didn't kill her. Maybe someone. Maybe another relative did. Maybe somebody else did. But we—that's just something we don't. We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Except for uh, there was uh, a, a, a Native American named Brent, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his last name. But he was with Reed Pearly uh, one day, and, and Reed said, "You know, I, I I buried a girl over there at that spot." You know, he pointed to an area. Um, in near, near that area, and Brent, ultimately, we, we couldn't interview him because he, he's dead. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're always behind the eight ball with these people dying before we can talk to him. Exactly. But uh, so that was just another another you know indication that that it was it was Reed. I mean, he, we figured he told he'd have to tell somebody about this. Right. Yeah. Now there there was a hunter that ran that came across some remains. Where was this yeah. at? That was in. Uh, Smyrna, Smyrna, Maine, S M Y R N A, Smyrna, and um, you know we 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 tried to do a search where he told us 
that he found that this uh, remains of a female, and he's he's quite certain it was the remains of a female. The problem is back in back when when he found this, uh, said he found this, he uh, he tried to get the Borden Service to go back to that spot, and they did try, but it was like beginning of hunting season, and that's that's like the Borden's biggest, you know, busiest time, and they sort of didn't put a lot of time into into this mm-hmm. um, and, and, and let it go. But we did go up. I mean, the warden service and the state police and, and us, we went up and did a tried to you know take another look. We had cadaver dogs and, and all that stuff, and, and ultimately didn't you know we didn't, we didn't find anything. Of course, it's a long time ago, so we at least get, try to give that effort. Yeah. Now there were some uh, other. St- well, possible theories and sightings of her as far down as Boston, maybe, and Connecticut. Is that correct? Some No. They weren't? Is that That's just... Nothing credible. This is nothing, nothing credible. Just, just some, uh, no. just, I guess, people claiming to have spotted her? Because, uh, you know... Yeah, not, no, nothing credible. Because Kathy had no, mentioned credible. to some friends that, you know, somebody had talked to her about, you know, how nice Boston was and... And Kathy said she'd like to visit there, so I didn't know. Yeah, but that, that's nothing credible on on those sightings or nope. anything. Okay. No, and and, and that the Boston connection is is uh, it, Reed Burley got arrested down there and brought in on on a suspicion of murder. I don't know if you, you remember that from the book, but yeah, uh, it was Judy Campbell. So Judy Campbell is at a is in a bar in the afternoon. Reed Burley's in the bar and. Uh, she leaves. Uh, she she sort of rebuffs him for, for you know he's trying to trying to take her out date or whatever, and and she leaves. He he leaves right behind her, and half a block away, someone someone comes up from behind and slashes her throat and she dies. Wow! And we we talked to the the, the uh, detective who has the case still unsolved. They brought Reed Pearly in, and for whatever reason they they, they didn't have any enough evidence to charge him. Uh, or, or continue to charge him, and they let him go. Uh, but when when he showed us, the, so, so the detective was actually the, the the responding police officer that Judy Campbell dies like you know in his arms, and he he's, he he takes a look at uh, the, the, the Kathy Moulton's picture, and he shows us a picture of Judy Campbell, and they could be twins. So it was really weird. Wow. Yeah. Really weird. So did, did Reed Pearly do it? Probably, mm. most likely, and that's the to, to this day. Well, the the other problem with that is Judy Campbell's boyfriend was a knife salesman. Can't, can't <laughs> make this stuff up, but but um, but he was never charged, and I don't think he was there. Reed was. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, let's go back to uh, Kathy when before her abduction. There's a couple little things I want to ask you about that. There was a, a point where Kathy had went to see a photographer about having some pictures taken of her. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name. Chris Church. Yes. Um, was he ever questioned on anything? Yeah, he's the first He's the first uh, person we talked to in the case. Okay. What did he have to say? What was his take on Kathy? Because he, he, well, he, he was a suspect at first, wasn't he? Well, we thought when when we first interviewed him, I'm trying to think how we got on to him, but somehow it had to do with the gate. So there was a coffee eclectic place that the coffee house called the Gate, and you know musicians would play there, and people would hang out there, and Kathy would go in there, and yeah. he uh, he ends up uh, bringing her back to to his place where he does this photo shoot. And he's really nervous when we talk to him, but ultimately he, he says, you know, he hit on her and it, it didn't get anywhere. But uh, he, he, then he tells us, hey, listen, I, let me go back and look. He says, I, I know I took pictures of her um, and I'll, I'll bring them to you. So, uh, you know, we you know we, we quickly moved away from him after his interview, but he's the one that gives us those pictures that parents had never seen. Yeah. Here's another example of something she had done parents didn't know about. Wow. Yeah, they weren't. Uh, they were sort of. I, they weren't nudes, but they were sort of. I no. guess risque, kind of, in a way. Yeah, they were. All, I mean, they were. 
not really. They were just, uh, I mean, she's clothed the whole time and, and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. There wasn't, there wasn't anything innocuous about that. It was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Okay. Now, Kevin, tell us a little bit about when you first saw Kathy's case and it was laid on your desk when you were first presented this case. Yeah. So Tom Joyce was the detective sergeant. He, he gives me the, the file and it was like, it was literally like four pages total. And it was one a missing person report that was filed by, by uh, uh, you know, uh, the dad, Lyman uh, Holton. And, and then later on, there was a detective, Bill Deachin. Um, he was, he, he filed a report because there was a body that was found, a female body found in uh, British Columbia. And, and the RCMP, for whatever reason, felt that it was a good possibility that it was Kathy. Um, however, it was the, the dental, the dental stuff eliminated Kathy as being the, the uh, Jane Doe. So, so that was in that, that file, but after that, there was, there was nothing. Mm. So when uh, you first saw Kathy's case, were you? What was your first thoughts on it? As far as how, like, how am I going to solve this? What What was your initial initial thought? Well, uh, so, so Tom, Tom and I, when he when he assigned it, he didn't. Well, he assigned it to both of us. So he just said, "Hey, let you know, this is still an open case. Let's. What do you think? Let's work on it. You know, outside of our, our regular, you know, cases." Um, it was still an active missing person case. Matter of fact, it, it's at the time it was uh, one of the oldest in the nation for active. It became an active missing person case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what you know what? I, I didn't think really anything negative about being assigned it. Um, I, as a matter of fact, it was it was the challenge that, that I liked. So I, you know, we just said okay, well let's let's call uh, Nancy Barlow, who was her friend at the time. And I, you know, I ended up uh, calling her. She was living in North Carolina or somewhere. And that's that was the very first interview was her friend Nancy, and Nancy was supposed to go to the dance with her as well. So Nancy, Nancy Barlow. Barlow, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, she but she had really she gave us some insight into Kathy. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think that's where some of the smoking and the you know the that stuff came from. Um, me, 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 I, I'm trying to think how we. I think that's how we figured out it was uh, Lester Everett. I think it came from her. Okay. That she was seeing Lester Everett on the side, so you know what, you know, uh, surreptitiously. So, we get on the Okay. Reed Purley, what what happened to him after he got out of prison? Uh, what's some details on him? Did he, did he, well, he yeah. did he stay in and out of trouble after that or? Yeah, but, well, he, yeah, he, I, he had, he hasn't been back to prison, and um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's married to a to a, a, a girl from Bangor, and he's got a son with her named Amos Amadeus. Uh, I, I do know that as recently as, as, you know, a year within the last year, he's, I'm told, he's still up to the same type of tactics with his. You know, for the neighbors, one one's afraid to say anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm still receiving information from that reservation all the time. Yeah. What, Kevin? What would it take today to bring Kathy's murder to justice? What would it take? Impossible without a body, because you could never prove that how she died. This is true. You, you know, when it comes to when it comes to solving the case. It would have to be Reed Pearly telling us what really happened, and and at that point that would just be closure. But if, you know, if, if, if certainly no one's going to be prosecuted for that at this point. You'd have to bring him in on something else and just actually get him to confess to it. Put the pressure, yeah, on, put the pressure I, on him, and um, yeah. get him to confess. Yeah, but as far as he goes, he he don't even know her, so he's never going to give that up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if, if someone dug up her body, you know, and you had a, your skeletal remains and it was, you know, it's obviously, you know, a crushed skull or something like that. Different story. Right. Um, then that would be, that's why I say impossible. That would be the only way. You'd need the body. If you get the body, you, you know, then you can start talking about... And the only guy he, he pointed that out to is dead, right? Lester. <laughs> Lester. You're where the body is supposed to be? I don't know if Lester, no, Lester doesn't know because remember... 
uh, John Wayne Aceto, when we brought him in and interviewed him, he's a local kid from, from Portland, um, we, we bring him in and he tells us that Lester shows up, that was when Lester showed up to, from uh, Florida two or three years later, and he says to John Wayne Aceto, Lester says, hey, Kathy Moulton never came home. He said, I left her up at that reservation. He says, well, let's go up and find out where she is. Because he thought she made it home at that point. You know, she... <clears throat> and that's, that's why we're, we're certain that Lester had nothing to do with, mm. after the fact, after he left, that having anything to do with Kathy's demise. Because he said he felt responsible for that she never came home. So they got in the car, and they drove back up to the reservation. And uh, they pulled right up to the Pearly residence. And, you know, Lester started to... Uh, to, to you know, Mr. Tough Guy, he's gonna he's gonna take these guys on. I mean, these when we showed up in '97, the RCMP said, "Hey, six months ago, we had a shootout with this family. I mean, with with with, with his brothers. You know, they 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 uh, yeah, that's how bad these guys are. Mm. So, uh, so so he they show up and and the, the Pearly brothers, uh, you know, beat the hell out of uh, Lester." And steal his coat and uh, his, his leather coat and his cowboy boots, and they, essentially they get they, they, they get away with uh, with with the skin of their teeth basically. So yeah. uh, so that tells us that one um, you know the, the Furleys have something to hide, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and two Lester had nothing to do with uh, other than leaving her there, and now he felt remorse, saying, "Oh my God!" He tells John Leonardo, "I can't believe." That this uh, this happened, and and so one of the things that Wayne Aceto tells us, I mean, this is how forthcoming he was. That they ended up, uh, they went across the country. Uh, he he and Lester went across the country in the car, a car, and they he even told us about robbing people to, for money, like in Nevada. Um, so you know, it's it, is it is it credible what he's saying? We think it's absolutely credible. So, wow. Just a yeah, just a so, mess just a messed yeah. up situation with them. Yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah. Now Kathy's parents they they never moved. They stayed in the same house. Is that correct? Have they they even kept yeah. they even kept the same phone yeah. number, just hoping that Kathy would call at some point. Yeah. Um, uh, ultimately, they, they probably moved three years ago to a assisted living place. Sold the house. Um, and, and the dad has passed away since yeah. the past three years. Uh, that is sad. Okay, Kevin, before we close out this episode, uh, tell us about your book, um, where it can be found, where it is, and all about it, so we give you a good plug there. Um, yeah, so the book uh, is on Amazon. It's called Kathy Moulton, Missing and Danger. Um I have a co-author, Bill Meltzer, uh, who's who's a who's, who's a who's a writer. He's uh, does most a lot of hockey hockey related stuff. The Philadelphia Flyers, for one, um, and I happen to know him. So he's he's a co-author with me. Um, so and it can be, can be found in digital form, and you can actually order order the book on uh, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Kathy Moulton, Mr. Danger. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll put a link to it in this episode. That we're gonna drop next week on this and and i think you told me on the phone last night when we spoke you wrote this book all from memory is that correct yeah i i had i didn't have any access to the reports that we'd filed um so i this is this is all like like now i'm able to tell you uh almost everything um from memory so that's that's well, pretty impressive man <laughs> it really is no I, yeah, sometimes I can't remember my own phone number, but I can. <laughs> I, I, I remember this stuff. Um, you know, one of the things I could do as a cop is remember names and and you know things things from cases. So, well, Dale and I are just a. We just do a podcast. We're just a couple of armchair detectives, but we love yeah. we, we love true crime and we love solving things and being a part of it. You know, if we can you know put it out there and folks listen to it, then. Maybe somebody will know something somewhere. Well, this, this the thing is one of the one of the reasons I wrote the book was I I knew and I and I sent uh, I probably sent ten copies up to the reservation 
and they, they're still handing it around. That's good. Um, even the RCMP uh, constable that just just retired, uh, he read the book and said and he, he told uh, he told my one of my one of the friends up there that um, yeah, uh, tell tell Kevin uh, he, that's he did a good job in that book, and I and I said, hey, why don't you tell him to <laughs> investigate the damn case? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't care about doing a good job on the book. You're going to help me here. And that was one of the one of the biggest frustrations that we had. And that's, if, if we go up there, we the RCMP, they say, oh, yeah, we'll, we, we can help you with this. We'll work on this. The last time I was up there a couple of years ago, I met with the major crimes um, RCMP detectives. They, they just do major crimes. And they were going to help me. You know, they were going to reinvestigate this. They were going to open it up as a major crime and uh, go on that reservation. And they, I never heard an, another word about it from them. Mm. That's a shame. And, and, yeah, and one of the things they said was, well, well, who's, who's, the, who's the case detective now in Portland? And they ended up, they did call. They called down and, um, you know, it's a, it's a detective that I, I was his field training officer when he was a rookie when he first came on. Um, but they, they have no, they don't have the institutional knowledge. They don't, they, he won't read, he won't go in and read boxes and boxes of reports that we have, uh, you know, on file. Um, but, you know, not, so, so really nothing's been done. Mm-hmm. That's a matter of fact, Portland police was on the record in, in the press saying, we don't consider this a Portland police case anymore. This, this is the RCMP's case and it's up to them to solve it. And, which means if the RCMP is not doing anything, Portland police aren't doing anything, no one's doing anything. Yeah, that's a shame. It is a Except shame. Us. Especially Except as much us. as you've done, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've done all the research yeah. for them. All they got to do is just follow through with it and and get yeah. it done. Go pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a shame. We need you down here to solve a cold case we have that happened about 10 miles from my home here. A little girl went missing Asia degree many years ago. Nobody knows what happened to her. It's just, it's just cold. So, so where, where are you guys? We are 40 miles, 40 miles west of Charlotte, uh, between, okay. between Shelby and Morganton, North Carolina. Yep. That's where Asia went missing okay. between Shelby and Morganton. And, yeah. um, they actually had a march for her today because she disappeared on February the 14th of 2000 and nobody knows anything. Now it's just, it's cold. 2000. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a tough one. The, uh, how much effort are they putting into it? Now I think they, they released some information a few years ago, a few years ago, didn't they Dale? They about a, a t-shirt and a, a backpack or something yeah. that was, some information people they were putting it out there they right. want to know something about it but as far as anything lately there's been nothing it's just it's cold is it the, the state police or highway patrol or is it uh, local it's local county <laughs> county sheriff's department this work they actually had the fbi in uh, a couple years ago that's when they released that information on the book bag and t-shirt that they were wanting information from but it's i hadn't heard anything else up to reward but that's about all i've done yeah, I think uh, it's forty five thousand reward. Yeah, I think so. And it's just uh, she disappeared yeah. in the middle of the night, walked out of her home about two a.m. in a thunderstorm. She was scared of storms and scared of dogs, but she supposedly left the home about two a.m. and a truck driver had spotted her on the main highway out here. And that was that was about it. Mm. And some people think that she was maybe struck by a car and then they didn't want to turn it in or report it so they just took her and dumped the body and and got rid of it you know but it's all hearsay it's all hearsay wow but yeah it's 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 pretty cold but it, it hit this community here really hard when it happened and it's people every day talk about asia degree in some form or another and i'm sure they do in in portland maine i mean I, i'm sure kathy's name is brought up Quite a bit. Yeah, per- periodically there's now the last uh, recently they did a some uh, press on it. And they interviewed Kathy's mother, and 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 the, the like. The mother never said. Cause I told her all this stuff. There was a point where we said, "Well, what are, you know, did do do 
we think the father did. Did she show up at home and the father killed her? We don't know. I mean, we actually talked to uh, the, the Massachusetts State Police uh, told us to talk to this. Uh, they use a they use a psychic. Uh, and we we brought her up to Portland, and she said that uh, that she says the father killed her, and of course, there's no indication of that. We we, we know that she didn't come home. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we so we you know we did we we did that angle. But we also when we brought the FBI, I forgot that we used the uh, special agent named Steve Kives, K I V S. He he's with the Child Abduction Serial Killer Unit, CASCU, and and they did a an analysis of uh, you know behavioral thing on on uh, Reed Perley and uh, you know and they you know they. It wasn't particularly helpful, um, but but you know that just shows that one more angle that we, we we you know we tried everything, we tried everything to, uh, to to bring you know bring us information on this one. So yeah, yeah, that's what I forgot about. So pretty much, you think Reed killed her and buried her somewhere in Canada? Uh, I I think that he, that's the most likely scenario, but. The other, the other part is there was, uh, there was, so we, so during, uh, during the investigation back in 97, we got a call from, uh, a deputy police chief named, uh, Boulay from Grand Falls Police Department. And he said to us, Hey, I heard years ago that there's a, there, there's a, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, early sisters are buried in the basement of that house, their house. And, what a messed yeah, so up family, we, yeah. Yeah, so so you know when you when there's a rumor, there's always a, a shred of proof in a lot in most rumors, right? There's right. Some, especially something like that. So we can confirm that there's no sisters that are dead, and at least at the time. Uh, and so, is there someone buried in the basement? And the, the problem that we have is that that house burned um, at one point and was rebuilt. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I, you know, we we don't we don't know. I mean, that that information was all given to the RCMP, and um, you know, there was never, you know, ne- never. I guess we didn't. You know, of course, it's not enough to go into a search warrant on a rumor, but right. um, you know, nothing was nothing was ever followed up on that. And now, the, the, the one of the sisters lives in that house. Uh, was kind of a tough nut to crack. Um, I actually uh, started talking to her on Facebook. Um, she didn't know who I was. She figured it out after a while, but I was trying to get her to talk about Kathy, mm-hmm. and uh, she she never she never actually divulged any any true information. Uh, what, what she said was she was going to talk to Reed, her brother, about it. And uh, once she figured out that I was I was a cop, she, you know, she blocked. I was I'm I'm, I'm the only guy. It's the only time I've, I've ever been blocked on Facebook is by her. But, oh. Uh, so. Anyway, she thought I was a, a relative of Kathy. It changed everything when you, they found out you were a cop. Yeah, he probably, yeah, he probably shut out. that down, yeah. Yeah, I figured out who I was. So, um, wow. So, yeah, that, that and it was another another story that came out of out of uh, Tolbick that uh, there was an uncle named Ivan Perley. His nickname was Ivan the Rapist, and that there was a, there was a big blizzard, uh, and that Kathy was... Uh, being being uh, raped by him, and took uh, she ran she ran out into the snowstorm, and um, you know we can we, it, when you go back historically to uh, the, the weather, uh, there was there was like November first, there was a big blizzard, huge blizzard, and it's like you know this, you know, is there any truth to that rumor? So that would that would put the suspect as uh, Ivan the rapist, who's dead now. Wow. Um, so, so who knows? I mean, yeah. you know, point, point your finger at, at at one person. You just don't you don't know who's. Who, all, all we can truly say is that Reed Perley is a, is a person of interest in, in, in this this case. Wow. Did he do it? We, again, I, and I said this before. I we, I, we, I really don't know. No, no one knows for sure except for him. Um, but it could have been it could have been someone else. Yeah. Six year left here, though. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate you doing this with us. Yeah, thank you very much, yeah. man. Yeah, Let's... sounds good. Sounds good. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Okay. Be Bye-bye. safe. Right. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.
All right, Dale, we're going to get out of here. We want to thank Kevin, Katie again for joining us today and telling us about Kathy Moulton. Yeah, what an awesome insight he has to this case. Uh, it's about the only thing we could find on this case and so, so thankful for him to, uh, spending his time with us to help get this case out to all you guys and uh, maybe we can get somebody that knows a little bit more about it and somebody, somebody get somebody talking that knows something that hadn't been reported. Exactly. All right, Dale, we want everyone to be safe. Be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The, the Crack, Crack House, House Chronicles. Chronicles.